Have you ever wondered what it's like to work on board a cruise ship? Yeah, I've wondered a lot. Like, where do they store the food? What do the crew do when they're not working? Are they socializing with guests? How come the fruit is always so fresh? I have so many questions. Stay tuned to this episode to hear some behind the scenes of what it's like to work on a cruise ship. Hi, I'm Francine and you're listening to the Pixie Dust Fan Podcast, a podcast where our first topic of conversation will always be Disney. I've been a Disney fan for as long as I can remember and I'm determined to bring more of that Disney magic into my everyday life. So if you need a little extra pixie dust in your day, you've come to the right place. Thanks so much for listening and let's get started. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Pixie Dust Fan Podcast. I am excited today. I have my friend Matt with me. Hi, Matt. Hi, friend. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. I love podcasts and this is my first time being on one. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. We were chatting about this. So you're actually uh, Jen's husband. So my friend Jen from Pure Magic Vacations. And we were chatting when we were on the Disney cruise together. We were on the cruise together in January. Yep, that's right. One of my first passenger experiences on a cruise. And that's, it was so fascinating because when we were chatting about it, so you and Jen actually met, you worked on cruise ships together and you have so much insight and so much stuff going on from the times that you worked on cruise ships. And yeah, it's so interesting when you, you have all this behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I did, I worked on a cruise ship and uh, that's where I met Jen. And Nowadays, when we go on as a passenger, it becomes a nuisance for her because I always mention the nerdy things that's going on that she doesn't spot, and then she'll tell me to be quiet or or call me out in front of people like, "Oh, he's just showing off." Or, <laughs> and then you were an engineer on the ships, right? Yep, yep, that's right. I was one of the poor engineers down below shoveling coal. <laughs> 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 that's hilarious and we yeah we're not going to say what ship what cruise lines you worked on but it, it was not disney um it was more than one so uh it gives me a bit of deniability if i say something about one cruise line but yeah i worked on a couple of them and it was hard so we had to convince you to go on the disney cruise uh you weren't really sure that you you were going to enjoy it yeah, yeah, it's kind of like um, making your work your vacation. You don't really want to do what you do every day on vacation. And for a long time, if you were to put the number of cruises I've done together, it'd probably be over 200. So the thought of going on a cruise ship for fun is, is not, wasn't that appealing to me. But in the end, Jen convinced me, and I'm glad I did. It's a different experience for sure, being that side of the, the crew alleyways. Yes, being one of the guests, especially on Disney Cruise Line. I mean, they really take care of you. Disney do everything well. Yeah. <laughs> and we did have the mishap. And I think that was sort of the start of where we started sort of geeking out at some of the stuff you know, was when you were explaining what it meant to Disney, like what a great like experience it was for us when they swapped our Castaway Key Day. So the Private Island Day. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a big deal because um, they planned to have Private Island Sea Day then back to the home port, which was uh, Port Canaveral. Mm-hmm. And ideally, you want to do that at the most economical speed you can. So you keep it slow, you keep the fuel consumption low. But when they switched the days, they now had to get from Castaway Key 
uh, back to home port. I think he said 22 knots, which is, is quite a considerable speed. So the fuel weight burn would have been a hell of a lot more than they planned to do so. So yeah, there, there was definitely a cost for Disney for sure. That's funny to hear that we don't, as guests, we don't think about it, right? So the weather wasn't conducive to us docking the day we were supposed to dock. So they just changed everything around and we didn't, we don't even think about how much that cost them to do. And it, it was so seamless as well, the way they changed around all, because people had reservations for on board for different days and they just switched all of those and it was flawless. It was as though the day was planned to be that way right from the start. That, that's what was most impressive for me is how they just turned a Tuesday into a Wednesday and a Wednesday into a Tuesday like it was nothing. Yeah, and that that's true because we had Palo reservations and everything just switched and we didn't even have to worry about it. Yeah. I'm sure I always remember as crew, the worst thing that can happen is extra sea days. So oh. uh, a sea day for crew increases your workload because all the stores are open. For an engineer, all the engines are running. You don't get that kind of shutdown and uh, whatnot. So to have two sea days, they would have been upset about, but the way they switched that it, it kind of worked out for crew and passengers. And the fuel. So that is so obviously it's more expensive if you're sailing faster. Yeah, yeah, it's like your car. If you, you hit the gas pedal too hard, you burn a, burn a lot more than you would do by doing the speed limit. And you can kind of tell. So you had a funny story about in, you were in the cove, somebody was asking about how fast, how fast do you think we're going? Yeah, so in order to keep the ship stable for passengers, they have, the, probably has two stabilizers. That, and what they are, they're like a plane's wing underneath the water. And as the ship rolls over one way, they'll compensate. But in order to do that, you need water moving over the stabilizer. And eight knots is around about the minimum where they'll effectively work. So on that day, we weren't really going anywhere. We just knew that we couldn't dock. So in order to not dock but still stay within the vicinity, the ship would have just navigated in circles. But they want to do that at a speed where the stabilizers still work. Mm. when somebody said how fast are we going i said probably eight knots because to me i know time wasting sea days are usually done at eight knots you don't want to waste too much fuel you don't want to go too far away but you still want to keep the passenger comfort uh, as much as you can and then you just amaze everybody because you say about eight knots and everybody's like how did you know that yeah Matthew. yeah <laughs> my iphone oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so you said at the end of the ship where they talk about all of the, the crew members that are behind the scenes that you never see, you were one of those crew members. Yeah. Um, you don't generally meet an engineer on a cruise ship unless something goes wrong uh, in the interior. So sometimes when you, when you join a contract, you generally do the job of the person who you've relieved. So if I relieve a hotel engineer, somebody working along the air conditioning, toilets, day service, that kind of thing, then that's, that'll be the role you do for your contract. So if something was to break down in the hotel with your air conditioner and it got escalated, you might need an engineer. But apart from that, um, they'll be behind the scenes, moving fuel around, doing maintenance. Um, so you never actually have to enter, you never really have any interaction with the guests on board. Uh, we were encouraged to socialize out of hours, so you could go to the bars. Um, we got an account so you could buy passengers drinks and things and answer questions for them. Uh, but day to day working, not so much. No, you wouldn't 
generally be in guest areas. Unless, of course, you're hotel-based. Right. So you would you would socialize with the guests, maybe hang out with them once in a while. Like, did you meet any interesting characters or that would have been fun? Because it's a different it's a different crew of people all the time. You're always getting new people. Yeah. Um, so when I was watchkeeping, you generally finish at midnight. So at midnight you could find bars that were still open and go and meet them. Uh the cruise line I worked for generally had American passengers. Um, so what sorry what does that mean when you're watch keeping like what's a watch keeper so um most most cruise lines will do this in this in this way so we used to work four hours on eight hours off so eight to twelve watch would be you'd work eight in the morning till noon and then you'd work eight at night till midnight and then the next watch would be four to eight so one guy's working four o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock in the morning and he's also working four p.m till 8 p.m. Oh. And then the last watch I think I missed out was 12 to 4, so 12 to 4. So you got a guy working midnight till 4 o'clock in the morning, and he's also working noon till uh, 4 in the afternoon. So that way the engine room's always manned. There's always somebody down there. So you're just, you're, that's you literally watching the engine room? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, passenger ships nowadays, they have one guy who's permanently in the control room and they'll have an engineer who's mobile, so that way one guy can stay, answer the phones, monitor gauges, that kind of thing, and the other guy's roaming around, uh, physically walking around the engine room, looking for things like leaks, looking at gauges, keeping an eye on water levels, keeping a logbook. And then the ship refuels, like when it goes back to Port Canaveral, is that where it refuels? Because you don't see this kind of stuff. Like it's kind of, it's seamless. Yeah, I imagine it is Port Canaveral and it will be happening. Uh, if you know what to look for, you'll see it. Uh, there's one of the doors next to one of the gangways which opens up and they have a, a manifold in there that they'll connect to a shoreside supply. Uh, the, the fuel is, uh, it's a very heavy black. It almost looks like crude oil. Oh. And when it comes on board, it's not like a light diesel like you'd use in your car. So, so is it, it's like a big, like a hose. You know when you go into the, the gas station, you fill up your car? Like is it a hose they plug into the ship? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> hose with a flange that they nut and bolt together and uh, they pump it. It can take eight or nine hours, even more, to fuel up the ship like that. Wow. Yeah, I know once when we were stuck in a hurricane, they had to, we were out at sea longer than we were supposed to. Yeah. And they a couple extra days, and they had to go to Texas to get fuel. And I yeah. remember it took hours and hours for them to to sort of fill up the ship. Yeah, guess, for us to keep going. They probably wouldn't have to do it very often. Uh, wouldn't imagine it's even once a cruise. It's probably every two or three weeks. Oh, really? Months. Yeah, I did notice one time when I went to um, Castaway Key. They opened the door. It's called bunkers because back in the day they used to put the coal in coal bunkers. So when the ship loads fuel they call it bunkering oh. uh, i noticed that um a castaway key they opened the bunker door and you could see the manifold and they were connecting the hose and i thought there's no way they're fueling this ship at castaway key because there's no refinery and then it occurred to me that the ship actually fuels castaway key so it's the opposite way around so oh so, they bring castaway key fuel yeah so they load them up with diesel which I thought was an interesting take. Like rather than load up the, rather than fuel the ship, the ship fuels the island because Castaway Key is a small island and it has diesel generators for the, the power supplies and whatnot. 
I would never have thought of that. So they're fueling them, I guess, for, for all of their cooking, like everything they need on the island, plus the cast members who live on the island. Keep those ice cream machines cold. and. Oh, the- yeah. There were a lot of ice cream machines. Yeah. How did you enjoy your day at Castaway Key? Castaway Key is fun. It is. Yeah, we like that a lot. Kids love the beach. I like to just sit there and watch the kids with some guy bringing me drinks. So it's, it's a win for me. <laughs> it's the perfect day. Uh, the beach was boring. <laughs> that's Tilly. So that's your daughter, Tilly. Yeah. <laughs> Tilly wasn't a big fan of Castaway? Uh, she actually did like Castaway. She did. I saw the smile on her face when she was there. Go back to the room early. And I actually hid from my dad, like, after he used the bathroom, I went under his bed. <laughs> and I was like, and he was like, where was he? Like, where is she? But so, I was just under the bed and relaxing, watching my iPad. We took the cork out of Chili. Don't shut up now. <laughs> I actually love Castaway Key. Just the problem is she adores the kids club to the point where you can't get her out of it. But you can't sell it on any other feature about the boat because the kids club's so good. So the whole right. time, let's get back to kids' club. Right? And that's the challenge with it, getting the kids to do other stuff outside of the clubs. If, I, if they would let me go play in those clubs, I would have been in there all the time too. Yeah. Grown-up club. So uh, were there other things on the ship that you were kind of like, I can't believe that Disney does it this way when you think back to when you were working on other lines? Um, things that surprised you about the way Disney runs the ship? Uh, like Disney's a high-end client. Like Disney would be considered above what I was used to working on, and there are a lot of touches that they have. The dining room teams, the way they stay with the passengers. I think that's a great feature. That uh, they travel with you from restaurant to restaurant every night. Yeah, especially when it gets to the point where like Finn is, uh, any kid I suppose has little quirks, but one of the things right now is he must have orange Fanta. He loves orange Fanta. <laughs> available in the dining room, but those servers the first night, you say, did I chance to have orange Fanta? And they didn't. But from that night on, every day there was a can on the table. Um, one day, Tilly said to one of the servers that she wanted 10 cookies for dinner. And the next day they show up with a plate of 10 cookies on it. That's so, the, that's the kids. That's the difference, that's, right? Yeah. That's a Disney difference for me. For sure. And the, so did you get a chance to talk to any of the engineers on board or any of the other crew that you kind of swap stories or, cause that would have been hard not to. Yeah. I, I, it, it becomes a conversation point And I think you kind of want to let them know that you'll look favorably on them in the reviews. And I know from personal experience how important it is for the comment cards at the end of the cruise. So I'd say to them, my wife and I, we ex-crew, we used to work. I was an engineer. She was a gift shop manager. And we would look after them in the comment cards and make sure they knew that. How yeah. important are those cards? Like, It's not like in a retail store when you get a little survey, like an email survey or something. These comment cards mean a lot to the crew. Oh, they do, yeah. It's exponentially so. They, um, they're the feedback back to base, basically to shore side, to see how the, the ships are being received by the guests. And customer satisfaction is what it's all about. They want you coming back. So if you could say that 
a cast member made it particularly memorable or a cast member was the reason why you would pick Disney, then they will look after that cast member. I did Ellen. get one of them to share with me what the pick is when they get mentioned, but he maybe promised not to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't push you for that information, but I know on other lines it's more... Uh, so on Disney, I think they get a perk or they get some kind of, they yeah. get taken care of, you yeah. know, they're rewarded for, for that good comment. But I think on some other lines, it's less of a reward and more of a, if, if they don't get the best reviews, it's frowned upon. Well, most people will get none. Uh, you probably use the gift shop, but you wouldn't think to yourself, I'm going to mention this gift shop person in the comment card, or you probably use the bars. but the standout positions like the guy that makes the little animals on your bed or your dining room team, they're often in the comment cards. Mm. So it would be probably looked unfavorable if they weren't getting in the comment cards, but if the gift shop people weren't, probably a good thing for them. Right. So that I guess it depends on your position. You're right. On the ship, there's certain ones that you would expect to get rave reviews yeah. and others where you don't have a lot of necessarily opportunities to make memorable interactions no i don't think anybody ever said matt fixed my air conditioner and he was the best <laughs> did you ever get mentioned in comment cards i feel like you have a story about some comment cards uh not directly <laughs> mentioned by name because well what i think you're getting at um <laughs> we used to we used to charter so the ship i worked on was very it was small enough that you could charter the whole boat, and one of the exclusive charters we used to have was the English Chamber Orchestra. So they would come on board, and um, all of the guests would be there to see them, basically. So one day I was working up near a passenger area. We have a fan room which blows refrigerated air into the passenger spaces. We also used it for storage, so I, I ran in there to grab something. And being a fan room, it's under positive pressure when you hit the handle to leave the positive pressure behind you, forces the door open a little bit. And you're aware of that, but it's hard to stop it. It's quite a lot of pressure. So I pull the handle one day and it springs open and a passenger just happened to be walking by at that time and it hit him in the hand. And I saw him, he goes, ow, and he starts holding his hand. And I thought, oh, you're okay. And he's shaking his hand, but he seemed okay. So I thought, okay, well, you know, accidents happen. I'm sorry. I held my hand up and I ran away to do what I was doing. I didn't think anything of it. And then I came down that night for my watch, did the handover, and the second engineer mentioned, did you hear the uh, what happened to the cello player? I said, no. He said, oh, apparently a big white man came out of a fan room and hit him in the hand. And I thought, oh, I might be that white man. <laughs> so uh, I told the second engineer, and he called the chief engineer and said, uh, I think Matt was the big white man who broke the cello player's hand. So the chief engineer came down. He goes, say nothing. Don't tell anyone about this. You know, they want blood up there. They're paying for blood. So I hid for the rest of the cruise. I didn't, go in any I didn't want anybody pointing at me going, it was him. So uh, I hid. And then the comment cards at the end of the week, they come in and everyone would say things like, the chamber orchestra were great. Shame about the cello player. Or, oh, no. <laughs> until the cello player broke his hand and... You know, so I made the comment cards indirectly or I influenced the comment cards, I should say. <laughs> you might be the only engineer on a big ship like that to make a lot of comment cards. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, for the wrong reasons, usually if there's like a mass toilet issue or mass air conditioning. But yeah. Oh my goodness, that is terrible. What a story, though. So you did have some guest interaction. <laughs> yeah, briefly. Yeah. <laughs> Not the interaction you wanted, though. I'm sure. No, no, no. So- I hope he. Does. Hope he's not listening to this and going, gotcha. <laughs> now I know who you are. <laughs> so yeah. when you were on the ship as the engineer, were you wearing like those big white uniforms that you see that like the officers kind of wear? Well, you wouldn't wear that in the engine room. Uh, those are worn in public areas only. There's day uniform and evening uniform. And if we were ever in the bars socializing, you're required to make it known that you are. You're wearing your rank kind of thing. Ah, okay. Awesome pictures Jen's posted on Facebook. Years old and we look young wearing uniform. Ah, now, I will link to uh, her Facebook page in the show notes so that people can go over and look for some of these pictures of you guys. Yeah, don't I look young? Now, what, think about when you think about some of the, the questions you used to get on board. So when you were socializing with, you know, the passengers on board. What kind of stuff do people want to know about cruise ships when they're on them? Um, well, like for me, being a, an engineer, as Jen calls me, um, these things are fantastic. They're, they're basically cities. They make their own water. They make their own power. They, a lot of them have diesel electric propulsion where they make a huge amount of electricity and then what drives the ship is electric motor. So there are a lot of interesting things but passengers can ask you. But mostly it's just about toilets. Really? Mostly they just want to know about the vacuum toilet system and where it goes and um, do we pump it over the side? Do we treat it? Uh, so, so what do they do? What do they do? Do they pump it back into the ocean? Uh, yes, not directly, although they can. Um, once a ship gets 12 miles away from the shore, then it is legal to pump it over as raw sewage. Although. A lot of cruise lines nowadays, and Disney will for sure, they have sophisticated treatment systems where a bunch of bacteria will eat away at it until it becomes just a, an inert sludge kind of thing, and then it's mixed with seawater and discharged. So there are videos of when these systems are installed, people will take a sample and it's clear water. I don't know if anyone's ever drunk it to prove it, but it is. It, it's very well treated. Oh my goodness. And that's what they've got to ask. Because those, well, those toilets on a ship are like airplane toilets. Yeah, they're vacuum systems. So the reason they vacuum is to save water. A vacuum uh, uses a hell of a lot less water than uh, a water system does. So on passenger ships, they generally are vacuums. That and makes sense. They are a bit of a pain. Uh, I know my son blocked ours with toilet paper one night. So we had to get a plumber in and. Oh to deal with that that's not fun now that's an example of things that would happen through the night in the engine room is you get a call from a um one of the, the stewards would call down and say we've got a passenger with a blocked toilets and then a plumber would be dispatched and he'd go fix it for them. and that's what they'd be doing mm. you know my biggest thing every time i'm on the ship i'm amazed and i think to myself where do they put everything like <laughs> When you think of how much food they have on there, yeah, and they have an abundance of, you know, steak and chicken and eggs and 
and then you think about all the booze and the beer and the because we were joking because they said they didn't have a lot of my beer the beer I drink on on the ship so I would I basically drank it dry uh, <laughs> by the end of the ship but when I think and they're like we have plenty of this where on earth do they store all of this stuff yeah you you don't really realize how much of the ship you don't get to go to um, there's there's so much real estate that is crew only or engine room or stores and it's hidden quite well. You you only see the hotel side of the ship. Um, like, is it all beneath? So decks sort of one, two. Well, because they have they have rooms on deck two and three. Or I they, think they do, but not many. I think they have a couple of guest cabins down there, and where you leave. But most of them are in restricted areas or crew only areas. And so there, there's a big chunk of the ship that we would never ever even know existed. Yeah, I don't know if they offer tours, but they're not they're not nice looking parts of the ship. <laughs> hide them. There used to be uh most cruise ships they'll have an alleyway that'll run the entire length of the ship and they'll give it a name after the highway. If it's an American ship, they'll call it the I ninety five. It's a British ship, they call it the M one. Canadian will probably call it the four oh one. But the, Oh yes. It'd be a it'd be a passenger area to get from one point to the other and along that will all be stores and there'll be refrigeration and um yeah, that's where they'll keep all of your, your beer. Wow. Because you, I always wonder, how do they know that, you know, on this sailing, we're going to have a bunch of people that want ice cream versus people that want popsicle, or whatever it is. They never seem to say, we don't have. Like, it's almost like you ask and, and they never say, oh, no, we don't have that. Even yeah. though they were joking about my beer, they had it, the whole ship, like the whole sailing. Yeah, they'll have a they'll have a position on board which is just inventory. We used to call them a controller. Um, I used to laugh at the name because it was <laughs> something out of the Matrix. He's the controller. You got to go see the controller, but he he controls the inventory and he keeps an eye on things like that and has a computer program and will know things like how many bottles of pine can we have on board or how much <laughs> chocolate ice cream is left. The, oh, and that soft serve ice cream is fantastic on the ship. But even the fruit, the fruit is fresh. How does that happen? Well, it's in Florida every week. So, yeah, uh, I guess that's an advantage there. It's more impressive when you're in uh, Hawaii or mm. Islands or somewhere in the Pacific where things are more expensive. But, but yeah, they, they have a lot of storage. That's true. It's. It's impressive to see, but you're right. It is like a little city. It's like a little city. It's all self-contained. Yeah, one of the chefs used to tell me that if it doesn't come on board dry, it comes on board frozen. Uh, I don't know how true that is with things like apples, but I know that cheese is frozen when it comes on board, and uh, cold cuts will come on board frozen. Bagels will come on board frozen. Everything tastes so fresh. They also do bake on board, so they will make bread on board and mm. stuff. And with I, short turnarounds like Port Canaveral, they can change the rules a bit. They can keep things fresher, I guess. Oh, that's true. Now, well, how did you find it? You did, did you do dinner at Remy? We did brunch at Remy. We did dinner at Paolo. Um, we had dinner at Paolo, and I probably would have said that's the best meal I've ever had in my life. But then... 12 hours later, we had brunch at Remy, and that probably beat Paolo. So, yeah, incredible. Both of them were off the charts. I, I can't say that I'm a food connoisseur of the best restaurants in the world, but I can say that I don't know how meals could be better than they are. They're, they're incredible. Really? 
And what did, do you remember what you had or was it the desserts or the, or the main course or what kind of, when you think back to it and think this was an amazing meal? I went for one meal at Palo, but I think I had six meals. <laughs> Just the, uh, the calamari at Palo where it comes with a battered shrimp that's the size of a lobster. That actually wasn't what I ordered. I ordered the, the caprese salad for Jen's father-in-law was with us and he ordered the calamari and I just made a comment when he sat down and said, oh, that looks good. And the server said, shall we have Chef make you one? I said, no, 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 don't worry about it, don't worry. Are you sure? No, no, don't worry about it. Of course, four minutes later, a calamari shows up in front of me, so yeah. Wow, that's the service. Yeah, it is, it is. We noticed at Paolo that they have probably one table for most of your server just has you for most of the meal. And I think at the end of it, they also got a second. So that's the level of service at Paolo is you pretty much get a server just for you. At Remy, you get like four servers for just you. Wow. Yeah. Talk about undivided attention. Yeah. If you go on a cruise and you are a foodie, you need to try these restaurants. They're incredible. Was there anything else about the Disney cruise that, that kind of stood out to you as why you might think about going back on another one? Um, for us, like for us to enjoy a cruise, the kids have to enjoy the cruise. And the fact that the kids wouldn't stay out of the kids club, my older one was at the, you'll know the name of it better than I will. Edge? Edge, yeah, he was able to go there. Last year he was kind of a little bit old for the kids club, but wasn't old enough for Edge. so. He didn't really get it, so he was with us a lot of the time. This time, we didn't see the kids. We had to go look for them to find them. They didn't want to leave the kids' club. And that enables us to go to the adult areas and sit in a hot tub and have a drink by the pool. And So for those reasons, for us, like, that's why it's Disney all the way. It's, it's a no-brainer with those things. And I saw the kids. I mean, they were having a ball. Yeah, I didn't see much of them. Uh, just... When we picked them up at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you got to hang out with them a little bit when you pick them up at night. But otherwise, and your servers in the dining room, I remember Jen telling me you guys were over the moon impressed with those guys. Yeah, we did. And we, we put them in the comment cards. And then after we got home, I thought, we're also going to go that one level further. And we got onto Disney and we wrote a personal email about them just to make sure that Disney looks after our guys. And, yeah, they were, they made a big difference to the kids and their meals. Yeah, they did. One of the guys was playing on, in as a Nintendo Switch, and uh, the guy noticed it and then challenged them to a game, and we got the server playing at the table. And, you know, he's, Finn really loved that. He loved having a friend. We were worried the server was going to get in trouble, but he told us that as long as he was entertaining his guest, he was, he was okay. So. He was okay to do that. See, that's so... <laughs> Have you ever got Seafo? Or Artadana, they're the two we had, and they're both really good. Awesome. And what about, did you get to interact with any other crew members, the, st- the stateroom steward, or? Uh, not much. Like, she, yeah, she did actually do us a huge favor. So when you get to Port Canaveral, they ask for your room number. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in our head was 5050, uh, I think it was, 5050, or I, I forget exactly, but... It was the stateroom we had the last time we were on the cruise and walked off the time. So we told them the wrong state number. And then we get to where they take your luggage off the car. And we didn't have the bags, but we said, okay, we're at 
5050. The guy says, no problem, I'll write you a card and does that, puts it on the luggage. And then we get there and our stateroom's not 5050. In fact, we couldn't be further away from 5050. <laughs> and we told our cabin steward, um, we don't think our luggage is coming. We think it's 5050. So then just before the drill, she shows up sweating with two bags behind her and brought us the bags. Oh, that's incredible. But I, I, she was fantastic, even though we didn't really see it after that point, because you go to dinner, you come back, your room's immaculate. You know, the next day you go to the beach, you come back, your room's immaculate again. It's like magic. Yeah. It is. And when you think about that drill, so as crew members, that that has got to be one of the the things that they really dislike about the ship, doing that drill. Yeah. Um, so when your crew... It is your only opportunity to be mean to a passenger. <laughs> Get in line. Be quiet. Pay attention. Do it's this. true. There is no, there's not a lot of smiling going on. Once that drill's over, it's yes, sir, whatever you need, sir. So that is your one time in the week. <laughs> so I didn't have to do passenger drill down in the engine room. I would uh, I'd probably be in bed at that point. But Jen used to get very involved. She was one of the ones with the life jacket on, and she'd direct crew and tell them to get in line. I think she had a little speech she used to do. So she used to like it from that point of view. She could, oh, yeah. She could uh, tell them to get in line. The school teacher and I could come out and... And you know. tell people where they had to stand. And yeah. it's, yeah, that drill, it's so important. And it's important for safety. But yeah, with there's so many passengers that don't show up on time. And it's very frustrating. It takes a lot longer than it probably needs to because of the... But Disney really has it organized. Yeah, just just know where your boat is. Um, a good tip for people is on the back of your cabin door. It tells you everything you need to know. Um, right. So when you close your door, it tells you where you are on the ship, where your boat is. That's really all you need to know. Now, do you ever get bothered by the weather or the boat rocking? Like on our way back to Port Canaveral that night, it was it was rocking a little bit. People were, you know, saying, "Oh, I I don't." It doesn't bother me at all, but. Uh, others were were mentioning it. Yeah, um, I've never actually ever been seasick to the point of throwing up. Um, usually, what will happen the first night of a contract, I'll feel a bit uneven, and then I'll calibrate and be good. And then uh, it just it just yeah. goes by. Yeah, I mean, years ago when I was on cargo ships before I did passenger ships, I'd been in some really rough weather around the bottom of South America and around the Cape of Cape Horn. And it never really bothered me, never really to the point of throwing up. But Jen, yes, all the time. She yeah. never, ever got used to it. And I don't know the, how she worked on ships and she, she suffers seasickness. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no. and, and small passenger ships as well, where it was quite bad. Um, yeah, some nights she'd be, she'd be leaving work early because she was sick. Wow. The, the crew aren't immune. You know, they, they want it stable as well. That, and that's something you don't think about. You figure that once they're on the ship and they're working there, they're totally used to all of it, the weather, the the rocking, all of that kind of stuff. And they're not they're not all immune to it. They feel no. it just like the passengers do. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them don't find out that they're even seasick until they start a six-month contract. Ouch. Yeah. The first couple of weeks can be rough getting used to it. I think most people do acclimatize to it though and get used to it. But then it's hard when you come off the ship and then you have kind of the sea legs on land. Do you have that? Yeah, you know what the weirdest thing 
when you've done it for 10 years, and even to this day, if I place an object on a shelf, my brain thinks that's going to roll off. Really? Uh, no, it's not. The house isn't going to move. Like you still have that, like that trained in mentality where every part of you thinks that needs to be locked down or stowed away or, you know, you just, you kind of let it go. It's just who it's part of who you are that you, you always think about something's going to roll. Yeah, or I'll put something on a glass shelf. I'll think to myself, you need some anti-slip device on there because it's just wide. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That takes a bit. I mean, I've been out of it now for 10 years, so it's less so now. But it's definitely fun to go back as a passenger, right? Oh, I know which side I prefer to be on. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't tell people not to do it. Uh, it's a hard life. It's a good life. Uh, a great experience especially when you're young when you're young that would be you're traveling you're you're meeting people from all over the world yeah yeah and that like for me when i got out i was around about i think i was 31 when i finally quit chips altogether and that was the right time my son was born it's just time to be home yeah you don't miss that life I miss being 25 years old. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. I miss being, yeah, I miss 25 and having that level of, that level of no responsibility. Uh, but I couldn't see myself going back to it now, no. No, but you'll definitely be back as a passenger. Absolutely, yeah. Isn't it funny how a four-day cruise just turned that all around? You, you, you really weren't sure about going on it. You know, I used to, um, you get kind of, you get kind of caught in your own role on a ship where you'd see the engine room and the engineers and you'd, you'd think that that is the whole world. That is the cruise ship is the engine room and nothing else. And you wouldn't really, uh, you wouldn't really think about how difficult it is to be the dining room guy, to be CFO. Right. You just think, well, they go up there, they smile at the passengers, they get the tips. Um, but when you're on there as a passenger and you see the level they have to go to to entertain a passenger and to do that kind of thing, like, I wish I knew that back then. I wish I could say to myself back then because every crew member works hard on a cruise ship. Like there's no, uh, there's no department that has it easy, except for my wife's department in the gift shop. They have it way easy. <laughs> life. Would she agree with you if we asked her that? Um, what does the, that thing mean? I'm not too familiar with. Canadian gestures. <laughs> so she's nearby and she's giving you one of these Canadian gestures. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that in England. Usually it's two fingers. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine what Jen is saying right now. <laughs> yeah, so, so that explains why an English guy is living in Canada. I was played with a Canadian girl on a cruise ship and haven't been able to get rid of her. And the rest is history. Yeah. Oh, Matt, this has been so much fun talking to you. I hope we can do it again. Well, I'm glad. I hope that uh, hope it's been worthwhile to some people and not too boring going on about anaerobic sewage systems. Or, <laughs> I think this is a lot of stuff that people want to know. I think people want to know this behind-the-scenes stuff on the cruise. Yeah, and I'm sure they don't do tours anymore. Uh, yeah. 2002, 2003, they did. Um, just after 9-11, but yeah, that's when they stopped, right? Yeah. I did get to do one on uh, the Disney Magic before uh, 9-11. We did a tour, and we got to tour the galley um, and the bridge. Did you? 
Yeah, and it was I, I couldn't believe how big the kitchen was and how they managed yeah. to to not be on top of each other while I, cooking and preparing. I remember back when they built was Tesh at the Magic or the Wonder? Uh the Wonder. I remember when it was a concept and Disney were building a ship and one of the ideas was to have a like a plastic soundproof walkway through the engine room. This was like a concept idea so passengers could walk and see the engine room but still be con- it, it never ever happened. But th- that idea to me was strange wow. working away and passenger behind you or whatever. So But see they're always thinking about how they can they can have the guest be immersed in their experience. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been cool if they could have pulled that off. Yeah. I, somebody would have made a sign that said, do not feed the engineers or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, the bridge, did you get a chance? On those big ships, they have things that it looks kind of like a joystick that they're they're sort of steering the ship with. It's Yeah. So, especially in and out of port. So, um, if you ever look at the ship from the outside, at the the very front end and the very aft end, you'll see a, like a painted circle. And what that denotes is the thrusters underneath the water. So underneath the water, they have balanced stern thrusters that propel the ship sideways off the dock. If you ever notice leaving Port Canaveral, the ship actually moves sideways without any tugs and it makes quite a lot of noise. And they're balanced stern thrusters and that's what those joysticks are controlling. So they're pushing themselves off the dock with those. Ah, see, I did not know because once I was watching, you know, when the, when they stand yeah. off the side, that little thing that sticks out yeah. the front and I was yeah. watching them with the, the little joystick trying to, I guess we were trying to dock and it was like, yeah. oh. So they're called bridge wings and I think Disney has a glass floor so the guy can actually see below him. He can see his feet and see the dock and he's coming in. Wow. See, that's so impressive. You think that they're moving that huge vessel. With the joystick. With the thrusters, yeah. Wow. Now, the crew will not like those things because they're situated right where the crew live. So coming in and out of port, they make a lot of noise and the bow thrusters would wake you up in the morning. Oh, I wouldn't even think of that. So those, th- yeah, so the crew is right down in the belly of the ship. Yeah. And they would hear all of these noises in their in their rooms. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. forget that. That's not quite the alarm clock you'd want to have. <laughs> No, it shakes you out of bed for sure. Oh my goodness! And the crew quarters are pretty small by comparison to the 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 guest cabins, I'm sure. Yeah, I, they load them in. Uh, I think they have four to a cabin, probably is the most. And then uh, I was fortunate to get my own cabin as an engineer, uh, which meant Jen moved in very quickly. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's good though and i'm sure it was better for her better for her yeah for sure yes <laughs> <laughs> but you had so all the engineers would would generally get their own cabin yeah all officers get their own cabin so any normal officers stay this would be engineers navigation officers um not sure about all the, the hotel department they uh, the managers have stripes, and some of those will have officers status as well. Where did they put all of these cabins, though? I still don't understand. I think all of the, if you look at the very front facing forward, those portholes where you don't know how to get to them. Yeah, that would. The cabins. Oh, that would make sense. Because yeah. you never see that part. Like you just can't get to those. No, 
Yeah, those forward-facing portholes will be officer cabins. There's so much to learn about cruise ships, Matt. I have to have you back on. We have to chat about so much more detail. And yeah. I'm going to ask everyone to sort of write in if they've got questions that they'd yeah, like to hear. Yeah, if any questions about the toilets, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How stuff works? <laughs> yeah. Can I flush open the toilets? Yeah, that was one. And yeah, there, I'm sure there's tons of questions. So I'm going to ask anybody to write in and tell me if you've got questions for Matt, uh, let me know and, and we'll have him back on for sure. Now, Matt, we end every episode with uh, you and I sharing something that brought you pixie dust this week, something that made you smile, brought you joy. What would it be? What would it be? Um, well, when you told me I was coming on the podcast and uh, I thought, oh, I, don't, I do miss ships, but coming home every night and Tilly grabs hold of me and welcomes me home. I think I wouldn't have that if I was still there. So my pixie dust is coming home to my kids every night. Oh, see now how could Jen be mad at you for anything else you've said? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see when we, when we hang up from this podcast, if she is, and then yeah. you make, you make my pixie dust sound so cheesy. Cause I was just going to talk about my scentsy candle holder. That's yeah. a Tinkerbell candle holder. Um, with the actually, this podcast is my pixie dust as well because I do a lot of driving at work now and I've started listening, I've caught up quickly. Oh, thank I, you. Yeah, I, I had to listen to Jen's, I was forced to listen to them, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty much caught up on all of them. Well, we did the one on the is the dining plan worth it or not, and we've yeah. got a lot of questions about it. Yeah, I just listened to that one. I feel like I know Kerry. Oh, I feel, yeah, I feel like all my Muppet questions can go to Kerry now. Yeah, absolutely. You can totally send all your Muppet questions to Carrie. But that's the great thing about the podcast because people just, they get to know you and get to know your friends. And, you know, it's just, you're just talking with friends. It's a good media. I love them. I love how they're just conversational. They don't really have a full on script and they just go. And it's so nice to listen to, especially when you're driving. Yeah, that's, I don't listen to the news anymore when I'm driving. I listen to podcasts all the time. It's just, you know, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who does? So thank you again so much, Matt. And we will have you back on the show soon. Thanks, friend. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Pixie Dust Fan Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Matt today. It's always fun to hear the behind the scenes stuff and especially on a cruise ship. You know, it just seems like such a mystery to me. If you enjoyed the podcast and you know someone else who might like it, please feel free to share it with them. Share it on social media with your friends. And if you're so inclined, leave me a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Till next time, remember that you are never too old to be young. Chase your dreams and design your own happily ever after. <laughs>